Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What's up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is a signing week special. I want to bring on a colleague from 24-7 Sports, Brian Snow, to break down the latest in recruiting news. We talked about James Wiseman's decision to go to Memphis and what that means, and also the ramifications of Anthony Edwards opting to reclassify from 2020 to 2019, an absolute big-time prospect. Before I get to that conversation with Brian Snow, I want to make sure that you are supporting and subscribed to the Sidelines podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with Brian Snow. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in a colleague from 24-7 Sports, Brian Snow. Obviously been busy week being signing week. This is the signing week special podcast. Snow, welcome to the show, buddy. Always a pleasure to be on, Evan. <laughs> I sense the, uh, the sarcasm in your voice. You know, obviously there's been a lot going on in the recruiting world. Uh, the past week or so uh, on Tuesday, James Wiseman opted for Memphis. He's going to go play for his former high school coach. What was your reaction to James Wiseman selecting the Memphis Tigers? You know, I, I thought it was pretty much expected. Once he said he was deciding early, I think everyone knew he'd be going to Memphis. He he wasn't going to play his senior year in the city of Memphis, being a Kentucky commitment. So certainly no surprise, but it's obviously big news for Penny Hardaway to land one of the top players in the country, maybe the top physical talent in the country, and just to kind of build more buzz around Memphis basketball. So it, it's a big get for Memphis. It's big for the American Conference. And now we'll see what direction it goes with James Wiseman. It's crazy. They really did surround this dude. You know, obviously, Penny's really f- had a focal point of, of recruiting local kids. He's their sixth area commitment. But even tonight alone, like he, Memphis East is going to go play against DJ Jeffries, and he's going to walk on the court and go against the Memphis commit. But he's also going to have a guy next to him on his team, Malcolm Dandridge, that's a Memphis commit. Uh, it just seems like they had this dude surrounded, and, and I'll be you know, the first to admit, I thought other schools had a chance for a while, Kentucky and Florida State being the main two. Uh, but I think Penny just did a, a really good job recruiting him, and in the end, when you have the type of relationship that they had, you know, I think it factors in, and, and you know as well as anyone, you know, relationships are the biggest key when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, I think relationships, proximity, I think it was everything. And James is He's a kid who certainly needs comfort. There's no question about that. And I think he was comfortable with his future teammates, comfortable with the coaching staff, comfortable with the city. And it it all led to him picking Memphis over Kentucky. I I think he was definitely going to Kentucky before Penny was hired. But once Penny got hired, it was a battle. And in the end, Memphis was able to keep him home, even though he's not from that, even though he's from Nashville and not Memphis, they were able to keep him back here in Memphis. I wrote a story, and I, I kind of mentioned that this very well could be the biggest day in Memphis basketball history since April 5th, 2008, when the Tigers knocked off UCLA to go to the NCAA final game. Obviously, John Calipari coached that team. Kind of ironic that this kind of kinds of comes at, at his expense. Obviously, a guy he wanted. They don't miss out on a lot of guys. Um, 
but I think they gave it a pretty good run. In terms of James as a player, he has all the physical tools. He's seven feet tall. He's seven six wingspan. He's mobile. He's athletic. What do you think they're getting in James Wiseman, Brian? I think they're getting the top physical talent in the class. Um, like you said, he, he does all that. He's He's got, got the tools. But they're not getting someone who's an elite producer. So there's going to be this massive question hanging over James Wiseman. Is he going to dominate college basketball? You know, you, you look at guys like R.J. Barrett or Nasir Little or Zion Williamson. They all dominated when they were in high school. James has never really done that. So it's going to be interesting to see if James can turn that potential into production because we haven't seen that from him on a consistent basis. Also, what's his motor going to be like? Is he going to be motivated to play college basketball? There, there's some unanswered questions. James right now is one of our top two players in the country because of what he can be, not because of what he is. How quickly is what he can get, be going to be what he is? Can Penny get that out of him? So I'm very interested to see that. Yeah, and I, obviously he's a heck of a prospect. The, the tools are all there. Obviously, as Brian said, we've been looking for a, a little more production. He averaged 16 points and a little over six rebounds a game in the Nike EYBL. But he has the, all the tools. Um, offensive ability, I think, has developed. I think he can step out on the floor and make a jump shot. He can score it around the basket. And then I think he's going to be able to impact the game with, with rebounding and shot blocking. I think he could be more consistent in both those areas. But uh, end of the day, Memphis gets a really good player, a player they basically needed to get. Uh, you don't hire Penny Hardaway to not get one of the best players in the country that he coached in high school, and they were able to, uh, to lock him up. So Memphis fans, big day for them. Let's shift gears to the other piece of big news on Tuesday. Five-star guard Anthony Edwards opted to reclassify from 2020 to the 2019 class. This is a big-time prospect, a guy that we catapulted to number one in the top 247. He told me that his reasoning was he just felt more comfortable on and off the court and, and wanted to go ahead and get the ball rolling and jump into the recruiting process and, and get into the 2019 class. What was kind of your reaction to seeing that? You know, there have been buzz building behind the scenes that it was possible. And, and once he did it, I mean, I, I'm probably as high on Anthony Edwards as a player as anybody in the country. I, I see uh, now he's going to have to work to get there, but he's a more athletic version of what James Harden does. He's six foot four, six foot five, big physical body, but explosive athlete. And he really shoots it. He shoots it off the catch, shoots it off the dribble. He's creative. He can also pass. I just think he is the real deal offensive player the modern-day NBA kind of guard. He's not a point guard, not a two-guard. He's just a guard. And then he's versatile enough defensively, guard one, two, and three very easily. So I think there's a lot to like with Anthony Edwards and, and the type of player that he is. And I think he's the clear top player in this class of 2019 now. Yeah, I think we're both on the same page in terms of, of having him number one in 2019. And obviously there's, there's other options that extend beyond him and James Wiseman. But I think when you throw in the, the physical gifts, I think he's become a better athlete. That's one of the things that I noticed this summer is, you know, Anthony's always been athletic. But I think he went from very good athlete to downright explosive, maybe best athlete in high school basketball or up there anyways. And the game itself has developed. I think his jump shots developed. Uh, I was when I was prepping for the story. I was looking at his stats from Under Armour Circuit. He shot forty-five percent from three, 
And I think what you said about him in comparison with James Harden, just they're they're similar in, in how they utilize things with the ball in their hands. And I think Anthony Edwards is at best with the ball in his hands and, and in ball screen situations. I mean, I, I think he probably, in, in my eyes, I would guess that you think the same thing considering you think he's number one. But we're probably looking at the, the favorite to be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. So he, he's just a heck of a talent. Yeah, I mean, he's everything the NBA wants. When, when, to me, when you start looking at, at elite prospects, there's three key boxes. What's his upside? Does he still have a lot of upside left? Anthony Edwards does. Is he productive now? Yes, Anthony Edwards is as productive as anybody in the country. And then, does he fit into modern-day basketball, the modern-day NBA and, and even college? And Anthony Edwards does because he can guard multiple positions. He can score. He shoots threes. He can make others better. He checks every box and no one else in this class does. So I think that's why he's got to be the leader to be the number one pick in the draft. The NBA, yeah. it's dynamic guard league, and he's as dynamic a guard as there is. For sure. We've had this conversation on this podcast, and it's been written in the past. We've kind of been of the belief that the top three players in 2020 were better prospects than the top 2019 prospects, and, and that the top tier of that group being better than the top tier in 2019. But I think everything you said is spot on. Anthony Edwards, he's already productive. He's, he's got a lot of potential to get better. I think his focus on the defensive end and consistency on that end could certainly improve. But he has all the tools to be that type of defender. It's just him putting together and, and attempting to do it. The other big question surrounding Anthony Edwards now is where does he go to school? And he gave me a list of five schools. The schools were Florida State, Georgia, Kentucky, Michigan State, North Carolina. He told me that he is going to set up trips to Florida State and Michigan State and then look to, to set up a couple others. What's your take on that recruiting process? And obviously it's, it's early because he's about to expedite this deal, but what are you hearing on his recruitment? You know, I would say Florida State's got a big lead right now. It was funny, in April I saw him play, and I think he went for 40 points in the second half of the game I saw. It was just absurd. And after the game, I'm talking to him. I go, Ant, who are you hearing from? He goes, Florida State. I go, all right, great. Who else? He goes, Florida State. <laughs> and I tried to get him. I literally went out of my way to try to get him to mention another school besides Florida State. He didn't do it. I even went up to his AAU coach. I said, Winfrey. He only told me Florida State. And Winfrey's like, just print what he said. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Florida State got off to a big lead there. Now, that doesn't mean Michigan State or North Carolina or Kentucky or whoever can't catch them. But Florida State... Leonard Hamilton's one of the best recruiters in the history of college basketball. They have assistant coaches who are very tied in, Charlton Young, to, to Anthony and, and the people around him. So the Seminoles will be tough to beat, but Anthony's clearly going to look around and, and go through this process. For sure, and, and Brian was obviously referring to Winford Jordan, who runs the Atlanta Express, that Anthony Edwards plays for on the Under Armour circuit. And to kind of speak to what Snow said, there are currently eight crystal ball predictions on 24-7 sports for Anthony Edwards, including one from Mr. Snow and myself, and all eight are for Florida State. So I think they probably are the favorite. I don't know that he would call them a favorite right now, probably wouldn't, but that's who most believe would be the favorite as this recruiting process really kind of ramps up and, as I mentioned, gets expedited. And I think he's going to start taking some visits and, and we'll kind of see where that process goes. In terms of decision, it's still signing week. 
there's a couple big decisions left this week. C.J. Walker is going to announce his college choice and sign during the early period. Brian, what's your take on the C.J. Walker recruitment? He's down to three schools. Where do you think he's headed? You know, that one's interesting. Honestly, I don't have a great feel on that. You know, some people have always mentioned Florida, some coach in Miami. You know, even LSU at one time got a lot of talk. It's tough to know what C.J.'s thinking because especially he's kind of bounced back and forth. So I wish I had a better idea. Evan, you've dealt with that one a lot more than I have. But, I mean, I tend to think he's going to stay in the state of Florida. Yeah, and the finalists are LSU, Oregon, and Miami. If I had to pick a school, I would pick Miami. I would say that I'm not positive that that's where he's going. But if I had to pick, that's Mm -hmm. probably who I would go with. Uh, Obviously, Miami's done a a very good job recruiting him. He's an Orlando kid. He's been in that area. I know he's been to Miami a number of times. This is a kid that's six foot eight pushing 6'9", really good athlete, fluid, and has just really developed his game. That's who I would guess, but again, not positive. Another kid announcing this week, top 50 prospect, a guy I know you're high on, Brian, is Zeke Nashi. He's going to make his college announcement on Friday. It's been an interesting recruitment. You know, He took an unofficial visit to North Carolina this past week. This comes after North Carolina not even being on his list. He took his final official visit. Roy Williams came in and met with the family. Uh, and then set up an unofficial visit. This is an interesting one. I, I, this could go a couple different ways. You know, if you talk to some people, it's between Arizona and Kansas. If you talk to others, it's, you know, North Carolina is legitimately in there. What's your take? Yeah, I mean, those are the three schools I think that really matter right now, North Carolina, Kansas, and Arizona. You know, early on, I was told Kansas offers that they're going to be really, really tough to beat, and obviously they're right there at the end. I do think there's some concern with the FBI stuff, but Zeke and his father have kind of really looked into everything. They, they take a very balanced approach. That said, history tells us a late unofficial visit to a school that you weren't considering. There's usually a reason why you're taking it. So that tells me North Carolina's really, really in there, but I'm not counting out Kansas or uh, Arizona right now. I, I think they've got a shot. And one thing with Zeke, it's just him and his dad. They're the ones making this decision, and I'm not sure they're letting anybody in on, on all their secrets just the historical way kids take visits typically it bodes well for North Carolina in a situation like this yeah I think they certainly have a shot definitely don't think it's a done deal obviously that late visit was big does it impact his final decision that's the biggest question and you mentioned the FBI investigation it's something that Zeke's father brought up to me when he told me that they were going to visit North Carolina he said he had to you know check all the boxes look into everything because of what came out in the FBI trial. So I do think that that has kind of affected Kansas in some ways. Uh, he's obviously announcing on Friday, and he's not going to sign early. Uh, I don't know if if the the timeline really factors into to where he might go, but I think it's certainly those three. Uh, I'd, be, I'd have trouble picking between them. Like I said, I've had people tell me that very well might end up in North Carolina, but then I have others telling me it's a dogfight between Kansas and uh, in Arizona. Uh, whoever gets him is going to get a really good player, number 35 overall in the 24-7 sports composite. Another player kind of in the news, Vernon Carey is going to cut his list to three, currently at five, and this is one of the top five players in the country, number four overall in the, the 24-7 sports composite. The contenders are Duke, Kentucky, Miami, Michigan State, North Carolina. What's your feel on his recruitment? That one's been weird. Uh, seems like Michigan State had momentum early, and then Miami, and then everything kind of hit the fan with Miami. Then it's like, oh, he's going to Duke, and then Duke seemed to fall off. Then you kept hearing about Kentucky. Now you don't hear about Kentucky as much anymore. I, I guess if you put a gun to my head, I might guess Duke, but I, I really, I really don't know. It, that one's just been so all over the map for me. It's been a hard one to pin down. 
Yeah, I would go with the same prediction you did. I, I think as of today that that's the direction I would guess. He's going to cut his list to three. I don't see him cutting the local school Miami. I think Duke will make that list. The third school on it I think is probably going to be Michigan State, but could be Kentucky. I don't see North Carolina making that list. But at the end of the day, I think Duke may hold a slight lead in this process. And I think Vernon, he's going to cut that list to three, but I really don't think he's far away from going ahead and making that college choice. He's done all his visits at this point. Uh, now it's just kind of narrowing it down from three to, to one because he obviously knows who his three are. It's worth mentioning Vernon is a legacy at Miami. His dad played in the NFL, played played football for the Hurricanes, and his mom went to Miami as well. For sure. Uh, obviously that stuff factors in. Let's shift gears to some of these guys that are going to be waiting kind of like Vernon the Jaden McDaniels recruitment has been interesting. He, he just finished up his final official visit, went to UCLA right before that. Uh, he was at Kentucky, uh, San Diego State, Texas, Washington. Those are the five. Uh, but he's not making a college choice. It may not be soon. What are you hearing with Jaden McDaniels? Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a process. Um, his dad seems very content to take their time and kind of get all the information that they can get. And because of that, I, I don't think even if even if it's trending one way now, it's it's probably not all that relevant because it's going to be a time taking situation. You know, you've heard some buzz with Texas. Obviously, Shaka Smart's a relentless recruiter. And then his brother plays at San Diego State. Now, the question is, will his brother even be there next year? He, he's an NBA draft prospect for sure. So the Aztecs kind of have a long built in relationship. Mike Hopkins close to home in Seattle at Washington. And then you never count out John Calipari. If the longer this goes, something tells me the better it is for Kentucky because it gives them more time to be to build that relationship the way the rest of the list has. That makes a lot of sense. What about Cole Anthony? This is uh, the guy that's number three overall in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. I think North Carolina controls the crystal ball. Uh, he's taken visits to Carolina, Oregon, Notre Dame. Uh, but that list also includes Georgetown and, and Miami. Uh, it's been an interesting recruitment. He's made it clear that he's not making a choice anytime soon. Uh, my guess, no, is if the deal ended now, which it's obviously not, is that he would be headed to Carolina. Um, what's your take? Yeah, a lot of kids in the class think he's headed to Carolina, so they're, they're probably w the leader right now. But th this is Greg Anthony's son. You know, his dad played with Patrick Ewing. He's, he's going to visit Georgetown here shortly. Is that going to play any factor? Probably not, but, you know, you never know. I believe he was actually born in Portland, Oregon, so – that's where the tie to Oregon is. I think Carolina's the leader right now, but again, Cole's on record. I don't know if he's on record, but he's basically on record saying he's going to be the last person in the class to decide. So we could be looking at a Romeo Langford timeline here, which stretches into May. And anything can change in six months in recruiting. For sure. Isaiah Stewart's been a pretty fascinating recruitment. He's going to take his last official visit uh, to Duke when they get back from uh, the Maui event November 23rd. He's already been to Michigan State, Washington, Kentucky, Syracuse. Where do you think this deal stands? Because it's been all over the board. There were times where we thought he was headed to Kentucky. There were times where we thought he was headed to Michigan State. There's been times we thought he was headed to Washington. I'm starting to think that Duke's not in a bad spot at this point. Uh, what's your take? I can't find a school I think he's going to. I can find a lot of schools on his list I think he's not going to. <laughs> but in terms of one I think he's going to, that, that, that's a lot more difficult. I think Isaiah is, is a kid who is genuinely torn and confused right now. And he just doesn't know what he wants to do. And 
what's going to be interesting is, is he's taken all of his visits. They, he plays at Lalamere, which is not near his hometown of Rochester, New York. Lalamere's in Indiana, so it's not like un, unofficial visits are as simple as just getting in dad's car and going. So if he wants to take more, it, it's a little more complex. Um, I, I don't think Isaiah has any idea what he wants to do. I think Washington's kind of the school in his heart right now, but the U.S. map kind of makes it difficult because Washington's a long, long way from anywhere he's really ever been in his life for an extended period of time. Yeah, I also heard that his dad doesn't really get on planes. I don't know how much that factors in here, um, but it is obviously I think they're fighting that uphill battle. I would, I would guess that Washington may have the best relationship there um, with, with Mike Hopkins. He's obviously from upstate New York where Isaiah Stewart – or he's been in upstate New York at Syracuse for a long time where Isaiah Stewart uh, is from – um, but I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I think Washington, if, if they were where maybe Michigan State was on the map, that that might be where he ended up. Obviously, they're not. Um, I've kind of thought over the past couple of weeks that I could see Michigan State and Duke splitting Vernon Carey and Isaiah Stewart. Uh, I don't know that I see them going to the same place. Uh, obviously, both those schools are deeply involved with, with both of them. But I could kind of see the, a split between the two potentially happening. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. It, it's just I could also see both schools missing on both of them. I, it, those two recruitments are just so unique right now and interesting. I, it, it's tough to really get a, a, a feel for what direction that it's going to go in, either one. But, you know, if you're those schools, you figure like, hey, I think we're in the top two with them, so we'll each get one. And then somehow you could end, no one ends up with any of them, and, and you're just throwing your hands in the air like recruiting. And <laughs> that, that is recruiting. No question. It, you know, it doesn't always uh... – it doesn't always make sense. Uh, let's talk a couple of recruiting classes before we, uh, we close this thing out. Um, you know, obviously the big news Tuesday with James Wiseman going to Memphis, that bumps them to number 11 overall. Uh, they need to have James Wiseman, DJ Jeffries, and Malcolm Dandridge. What, uh, what do you, what's your take on that class? I think it's a good class. Again, you know, Malcolm Dandridge to me is kind of a rotational big. And then you've got Wiseman who's got all the physical talent, but he's only going to be there for one year. And then Jeffries who's kind of had a, an up-and-down high school career. So I think it's a good class, um, but how impactful is it going to be? Because you're losing Wiseman after one year. So, you know, you're not getting the full impact of, of what the class ranking might show. So I, I think that's one interesting thing to factor in when we're watching Memphis is all the players in their class are going to be good at different points in time. And sometimes that can make it look not as good as it might on paper. Right. I think the other thing that's going to be interesting with Memphis is do they add or what do they add to this group? Because they're, they're obviously recruiting uh, Trenton Watford. Uh, they're recruiting Damian Ball. Um, you know, I think that there's a couple other guys. They're, they're recruiting Matthew Hurd. I don't see them getting him, Matthew Hurd, but they're, they're involved. Um, I'll be curious to see if they can add to it and, and who that, that guy might be. Because Damian Ball is probably one of the, you know, the bigger sleeper guards out there, and Trenton Watford's a top 50 prospect. If they add those two – you're probably looking at a top five class. Yeah, that that would change the uh, the compass of it entirely. Damian Ball, an elite defensive guard, long way to go on the offensive end, but an elite defender. And then Trendon Watford's just kind of a bucket getter from the forward position. We've talked about this before, but USC uh, is going to close out the early signing period as it stands uh, with the number one recruiting class in the country. Uh, this is a class with uh, a handful of – of five-star prospects, Isaiah Mobley, uh, Onyeka Okongwu, 
uh, and a couple other four-star prospects. What's uh, what sticks out to you, or what do you like about this USC group? Uh, just the athleticism and length of the class. You, a lot of interchangeable pieces, guys that are that are should be tremendous defenders. Uh, I think you just have so much athleticism, so much length, so much versatility that you, you have to, you have to like this group if you're USC and Andy Enfield, and they should be able to provide. A, a big influx of talent in a Pac-12 that, let's be very honest, is right there for the taking. For sure. Checking in at number two is Villanova. Uh, what a job Jay Wright has done. It's a pretty scary thought uh, to think that he's now recruiting a higher caliber prospect. He's got two five-stars in this class and Brian Antoine, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, two other guys ranked in the top 60, Justin Moore, uh, Eric Dixon. Uh, they've raised their recruiting level. And I think when you go out and win uh, two of the last three national championships, uh, they've been able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, you win two out of three national championships and produce a gazillion NBA players. I mean, how do you recruit against Villanova? Like, what are you going to say? They, you know, what's your sell against them? So, the, and, and Jay Wright, one thing he does is he's very, very particular about the type of guy he brings in. You have to fit his mold. You have to... Uh, you have to be personal. Personality has to be what matches with him, and and Jay attacked that. You know, even though he has a really good class, it's probably the best class he's had in a long time. They're not one and done guys. That's not what Jay's going after. Uh, Brian Antoine's going to be there a couple years. Jeremiah Robinson Earl's going to be there a couple years. And then honestly, probably the best college player of the group is Eric Dixon, who is like Villanova clones these like six foot six, four five type players. And that's Eric Dixon, and he might be the best of the group that they've had, which includes a guy like a Chris Jenkins or even Eric Pascal, who's there now, and, and, and down the line. So I think Dixon is really the kid that Villanova fans are going to love, and he could be a double-figure scorer from, from day one and a very good rebounder. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All, the, the, that's a, a class full of talent. I agree with what you said about Eric Dixon. He's physically ready. Uh, he, he may be undersized, but this is a dude that rebounds, can score around the basket. Uh, and then those other guys, you know, Jeremiah Robinson, this is a kid that just keeps getting better. I think he'll be ready to impact the game right away. So Brian Antoine, Justin Moore, uh, a really good group uh, for Jay Wright. And then checking at number three, uh, Sean Miller uh, in Arizona, uh, a very good class they put together, four commitments. They'd like to add Zeke Naji to it too. Uh, two four-star guys – or two five-star guys, Josh Green, Nico Mannion, plus uh, Terry Armstrong and, and Christian Coloco. Um, what, on paper, what sticks out to you about this group? Again, again, athleticism. I mean, Nico Mannion's an explosive point guard. Then Josh Green is, is almost as athletic as any wing in the country. Christian Coloco, long shot blocker down low. And then Ter Terry Armstrong's a big athletic wing. So you're adding athleticism, length, versatility, all things that Sean Miller likes. But when Sean's been good, he's had a real point guard whether it was at Xavier with a guy like Drew Lavender or when he was at Arizona with T.J. McConnell. When Sean has that guy at point guard, it just makes everything go. Nico Mannion can be that guy, and he's more physically talented than either Lavender or McConnell were. So that that's the real exciting thing for Arizona. Is it, It's crazy to think that Sean, being a former point guard, hasn't had great point guards in his time at Arizona. He's got one now Nico Mannion. For sure. I think the when it looks at when we look at the recruiting class rankings, um, I'm curious to see when it's all said and done how these these rankings shake out, because there's so many guys in the top 100 um, still available. You know, there's 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys in the top ten um, that have yet to make, or seven guys in the top ten that have yet to make their college choice. So I think we're going to see a lot of fluctuation at the top of this list. And while USC and Villanova and Arizona sit one, two, three right now, uh, this list could change dramatically if, if Duke gets a couple guys, if North Carolina were able to get a couple guys, or even Memphis adds. Uh, so I'm, I'm more or less curious who ends up with the best class, uh, not just who has the best one right now. Yeah, it, it, it's wild to think, and, and usually we can point to guys Duke's getting or Kentucky's going to get. We can't do that right now. We can't say, ah, Duke definitely leads for this kid, or Kentucky definitely leads for this kid. So are they going to be able to take one of those kids, you know, can Kentucky steal Keon, five-star Keon Brooks away from Indiana? Can Michigan State get Isaiah Stewart and, and Trace Jackson Davis? Like, we, we just don't know where a lot of recruitments are going, and a lot of kids seem to be taking their time. So it's going to be very intriguing and interesting to see who finishes it, how that top ten looks, you know, in, in April. For sure. There's a, there's a lot to play out. Brian, I uh, appreciate you taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Thanks, bro. Anytime. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I wanted to clue you in to some good news. Now, through November 26, you can listen to our show on Fox Sports on Sirius XM Channel 83. This is free in your car, online, and on the Sirius XM app. Use the link in the podcast description and start your free trial today. This is Roy Williams. This year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. And you're living to the sidelines with Evan Daniels. I'd like to once again thank Brian Snow for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are supporting the sidelines with Evan Daniels' podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating, leave a review. All those things are helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think of the podcast. As always, have a great week. Thanks for listening.